Move over, Patrick Waugh. There is a new number two in the NHL in goalie wins. Marc-Andre Fleury, as he shuts out the New York Islanders tonight, five to nothing. We got a lot to talk about here in tonight's Locked on Wild postcast. We'll talk about Fleury's performance. We'll talk about the defense surprisingly looking better by adding a couple of key pieces back in. And we'll talk about Bill Guerin's state of the Minnesota Wild address as well. All that coming up on tonight's Lockdown Wild postcast. Let's fire it up. You are Locked On Wild postcast, part of Locked On Minnesota on the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's happening, everybody? The Minnesota Wilds pick up a five to nothing win over the New York Islanders as Marc Andre Fleury records win number 552 on the season. Uh, a fun atmosphere, to say the least, for the Minnesota Wild in this one here tonight. And uh, a lot to discuss that happened before the game as well. Uh, so uh, we got a lot to get to here. We uh, thank everybody for hopping in and joining us in tonight's Lockdown Wild postcast, as you do typically every night after uh, every game. Tonight's Lockdown Wild postcast is brought to you by FanDuel. Make every moment more. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets guaranteed when you place a $5 bet. Visit FanDuel.com slash on to get started a lot to get to here in this one you have the closed door meeting after the uh, Arizona game uh, in which the wild had their third closed door meeting of the uh, season so far you have Bill Guerin's comments before the game here tonight before we get into all that we're gonna dive right in to the two I think biggest positives in tonight's game. Marc-Andre Fleury picking up the win, recording a shutout. But I think we saw something that is important to keep in mind for uh, both Marc-Andre Fleury and Philip Gustafson. Is it if your defense is able to play functionally all three pairings, that makes a big difference. And we finally got it. We finally got it. After all the time that we have been asking, we finally got the game in which Alex Goligoski and John Merrill did not suit up in this game. Damon Hunt played. Damon Hunt played on the power play. He played, I thought, really, really good. I thought he played very well. He needs to play the, the rest of the season. He needs to play the rest of the year. Like that's a non-negotiable. That's a non-starter for me. That's a non-negotiable thing. That's even with the Wilds saying that they are still pushing for a postseason spot. You can't, after seeing what Damon Hunt did in this game tonight, you can't make an argument for me as to why you get 33 or four back in the lineup ahead of him. He looks, he is completely 100% a functional NHL defenseman. 
even more than functional because again, we see with the young players, we see the jump, we see the the juice, the jump and the juice. We see that with these young defensemen and these young players into this lineup. It's so desperately needed to just inject a little bit of enthusiasm into this mix. And so for me, the rest of the season, it is non-negotiable. Damon Hunt needs to play. Damon Hunt needs to be given the opportunity to play. If you were worried about, and I'm talking to mostly the coaching staff, if you were worried about who is going to handle power play number two, guess what? Damon Hunt did just fine in that role. So Brock Faber, Damon Hunt, those are your two power play quarterbacks the rest of the season. That is just the way that it has to be. Uh, and that falls, again, under our, under our wide-ranging umbrella of the greater good. Getting Damon Hunt an opportunity because he, he could be, if they give him the opportunity, he could be somebody that slots into the lineup on a regular basis next year, which would be huge for this team. So we need to see what we got with him the rest of the way. Let's talk about Marc-Andre Fleury because I was very relieved that the Wilds were able to get this for him and get him that 552nd win because anytime you have a milestone that you are trying to get for a particular player, uh, it that's something that can kind of weigh on you a little bit. And so the fact that they were able to do it at home, the fact that it was a shutout just absolutely sweetens what is something that I honestly have been really looking forward to amongst the Marc-Andre Fleury moments that we've seen with this team. Um, I, I was really looking forward to seeing him be able to move into second place in a Minnesota Wild uniform because you know I've I've talked about this as his career has gone on I it just a, such a treat to have a guy like that who is not only not only still getting it done on the ice in his 20th season in the NHL but just such a character off the ice such a character in the locker room the ultimate prankster just has become I think a vital piece for this team from a vibes and camaraderie standpoint. And so the fact that he is still productive at this point in his career and gets a standing ovation from the crowd, gets mobbed by his teammates after the game, not uh, not bad for a 50-year-old, to, uh, to say the least. Um, wink, wink, nudge, nudge, Brandon Duhame. Not bad for a 50-year-old. And so I was just – I was – just glad to see it that flurry got it here tonight but i was also really glad to see the team be able to just beat the tar off of an opponent let's let's consider this too because i know the operating procedure after a game like this cuz we heard it in the broadcast the operating procedure after a game like this is to say, we're back, it, get back on the bus. We are right back into 
push for the postseason. Everything's fixed. Let's let's just just take a bit of a hesitation on that because the two games that the Wilds played against the Islanders this year were some of the best that they've played this season. And so sometimes, I mean, we've seen it in the past. Let's just use the St. Louis Blues, for example, two seasons ago. Sometimes you just have a team's number, and sometimes you just match up really, really well with an opponent. The Wild outscored the Islanders 9-2 to in the two games this year. They, If I recall correctly from that first meeting of the season, they they beat the tar out of them in that first matchup. And they did the same thing here in this one. It, it's, it, it is part the opponent, but if you're going to get yourself back into postseason mode, um, if you're going to get back into that mix, you have to do this more consistently for one. And you have to do this against the teams that are above you and the wild have consistently not been able to do that against the teams that they're chasing. They just have not been consistently able to beat those guys. So if you want to get back into the mix, if you're still pushing, uh, you gotta, you gotta hit some people in the mouth that you are trailing in the postseason picture. So We'll we'll talk about all that. I, I do want to get to a couple of comments here before we hit the pause, because as Denny notes, uh, this caught me off guard considerably here uh, in this one today. As Denny notes in the comments, Jonas Brodeen coming back today was big for this team. I, I didn't see anything about it until I got a notification that Russo had tweeted that Brodeen was being activated off of long-term injured reserve. And, you know, if if you want to look at which of the two defensemen that were out play a bigger role in, in this team's mix, it's Jonas Brodeen by a mile, like between Brodeen and Spurgeon, it's Jonas Brodeen by a mile. He, and I thought he looked good. I thought Brodeen looked good in this one. He had some burst. He was helping push because that was a key theme for this team throughout the course of the night tonight was continuing to push offensively. They didn't have any of those instances which they kind of sat back on their heels and they allowed the Islanders to get some life, maybe pick up a goal and to just be able to take the game into their hands. The push was there consistently, which is uh, what led to the win here tonight. But, you know, the the big story non-flurry is... This has to be this has to be your sixth defenseman that play for the foreseeable future. And I know if Jared Spurgeon is able to come back, although I got to be honest with that too, folks, the fact that there is such uncertainty as to Jared Spurgeon's status, it may be that he's not able to come back, in which case this is your this is your sixth defenseman that play on a nightly basis. If you put anybody else in 33 and four in particular, if you put those guys back into the lineup, you're giving away a game that you cannot afford to lose. So this has to be your group of six that play. 
Damon Hunt is your second power play quarterback. Brock Faber is your top power play quarterback. Give those guys all of the opportunities to get further comfortable in those spots because hot diggity dog, I will not be upset if I never see another defenseman quarterback those power play units than those two the rest of the season. There's been some, there's been some lifeless power play play with other guys manning that spot. And it's the vision on the ice, but also it's just the way that Faber and Hunt are able to just glide along that blue line and not be afraid to step in and make plays too. They command that blue line as power play quarterbacks. And so Fabes is your number one. Again, this is a non-starter. This is non-negotiable for me. Faber is your number one power play guy the rest of the season. And Damon Hunt is your number two power play quarterback the rest of the season. Non-negotiable, or you're going to see me throw fit in these types of situations if those if those conditions are not met. So all in all, a fun night. Um, we'll talk about some flurry stories. In fact, what I would like to do uh, before we hit the break, leave in the comments your favorite Marc-Andre Fleury moments since he became a member of the Minnesota Wild. Because I want to go through and do some uh, some fun vibing on the Fleury department. And this will carry over into an episode probably for tomorrow of just funny Marc-Andre Fleury moments that we have enjoyed since he came here. Because he he deserves to be a huge part of the story with how he's played this year and the fact that he now sits in second place by himself in wins in the NHL. So that's that's the uh that's the homework for uh during the commercial break. Leave your favorite flurry moments and uh we'll go through all of them here uh for tonight's postcast. We are just getting started. It's freezing outside, but I am sitting here just uh just ready to vibe out. I love the fact that this was an earlier start tonight, too, which means that we don't have to be worrying about going until 10 or 11 o'clock at night. We can we can vibe out here for for as long as uh, as long as the vibes continue to be good. Wild win five to nothing. We've got plenty more coming up on today's Lockdown Wild postcast after this. Tonight's Lockdown Wild postcast is brought to you by FanDuel, official partner of the NFL. Folks, the NFL postseason is underway, and there is still time for you to get in on the action with FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets guaranteed when you place a $5 bet. That's $150 in bonus bets, win or lose. FanDuel makes it incredibly easy to bet with their same game parlays. You can bet the second period over if that's your specialty. You can also find bets in the Explore tab, and you can put a parlay together that is unbeatable in the Parlay Hub. Those are the easiest ways to find the most popular bets on FanDuel. And to put a little NHL spin on it, if you had Jewel Erickson Eck, to score an anytime goal in tonight's game against the Islanders, you had a pretty good night because he scored twice. 
as did Matt Zuccarello. So if you had either of those two with an anytime goal, you're feeling great at FanDuel. Make sure to head to FanDuel.com slash locked on to make your first bet a layup. FanDuel, official partner of the NFL. The Minnesota Wild win by a score of five to nothing over the New York Islanders. Tonight's Lockdown Wild postcast continues, and we've got a lot to get to here in uh, tonight's show because we got to talk about Bill Guerin's comments before the game. Uh, we have a uh, lot to discuss uh, in tonight's postcast. So let's get to your comments. We're going to start with Mike, who wants us to fully celebrate the history that we saw here tonight. Um, and that's been something, as I mentioned, that I've been trying to appreciate throughout the entirety of the flurry tenure is just appreciating the fact that we get to see somebody who is one of the best goalies ever, not just of the last like 10, 20 years ever. And I think the thing that makes it more rewarding to watch is the fact that he just is so acrobatic and is is so chaotically fun to watch every time he's in the net. And tonight, he didn't have as many of those trademark flurry saves because he did, or he really didn't need to because as Cal Clutterbuck, and God bless Cal Clutterbuck, I tweeted out tonight, I keep forgetting that he is still in the league, but Man, what a what a nice career Clutterbuck has carved out for himself in the NHL. Still playing today, obviously was was a member of the Wild, then was traded. That dude just is still continuing to get it done. Like seventeen years into the uh, into his career, Jesse Pierce had an amazing quote from him after the game. He said, "And I quote." We were effing bad tonight. <laughs> He's not wrong. That Islanders team just does not match up well against the Minnesota Wild. And I think the broadcast noted that that's seven straight times that the Wild have beaten the Islanders, which I don't know that it means as much because of the amount of turnover you get year to year. But especially this year, like it's saying something that as roller coastery as the Wild have been, that two of their best games of the season have come against the New York Islanders. Clutterbuck's not wrong. But again, all about flurry here in this one tonight. 552. Honestly, it's not going to surprise me if he passes Martin. No, he's. He, as he said after the game himself, he's going to probably need another 15 years to be able to pass, uh, get to the top of the list. So that's not in the cards, but hey, number two all time is nothing to, uh, to be ashamed of. And that's something that he's, that's something that he's probably going to have for the rest of his life. And the NHL will have him in that, depending on now, it's hard because we see teams now go so much more tandem there aren't there aren't as many teams in the nhl right now that have like a legitimate number one guy and that's it so it could be that flurry stays as long as the nhl continues to operate it could be that he stays in the top two that nobody's going to come close to being able to um to catch that mark 
it, I think it speaks to the longevity. I think it speaks to how much they're just were were bulldog goalies that just started every game. And those are elements that we just don't have these days, which makes it, I think, even more impressive that Flurry is still in his 20th season in the NHL, still looking just as as every bit as he did when he first came into the league. He's still making all the acrobatic plays. He's coming up with huge wins and doesn't look like a guy that's that is running on fumes at this point in his career. So a more, plenty more flurry talk coming up again. If you, um, I'll get to the comments as I kind of scroll through them, but if you have a favorite flurry moment, leave it in the chat and we will get to it here, uh, before the night is over. Let's go to quadrum here tonight. I was worried Kaprizov might have a similar lull to before, but I was actually impressed with his play. He looked even better than before his injury versus the jets. Yeah, this is, this is a good point because I thought flurry looked of the mostly no shows against the um against the coyotes i thought kaprizov looked pretty good against arizona and so you stack that with this game and i think the wild are fortunate that this was a different injury than he sustained against the jets it's two different injuries fractured ribs or whatever it was this time because fractured ribs and i i can't really speak to it cuz i've never i've never sustained that type of an injury but it seems to me to be more of a pain management thing as opposed to like an actual physical impediment um like the first injury was so i think we just continue to see kaprizov heal up and to be able to better move with the first injury and so I don't think this one is going to slow him down as much. Um, so I, we we continue to like it. As soon as he came back, he just left right off where he had been um, before getting hurt against the Jets this time. So that's hugely encouraging from a greater good perspective is that Kaprizov continues to um, continues to push. Honestly, it's not going to surprise me at all if he scores in one of these games against Florida and Tampa Bay and Carolina on this little three-game road trip of death. It's not going to surprise me at all if he scores in one or two of those games because we're, we're, I think, seeing exactly where we hoped he would be at the beginning of the year. We're seeing him now get back to looking pretty much where he has been um, over the uh, the last few seasons. So that's real and nice as uh, as cousin eddie would say um and we need more of it amanda joining us tonight the way they rush flower tonight yeah it got dusty it got dusty in my apartment too um i i i was super intrigued by how russo put it after the game in saying that he really has not seen anybody who is just widely heralded as like an all-time teammate amongst the um all the places that he's played, all the teams that Michael Russo has covered here, noting that it's a rarity. I think it speaks to the character that Flurry has, the way that he keeps things light. The pranks don't hurt. Um, but I think that really does show you that as much as Flurry has been able to, um, the way that he has been able to just continue to rack up these wins 
like it, the fact that his character is even more impressive than that is just a testament to the type of guy truly once truly a generational type goalie um, is Mark Andre Fleury. And so just an awesome celebration. Now I was uh, trying to take it all in, but uh, the Bally's app decided to <sighs> decided to not do its thing so i was able to find everything though and uh some of you listeners were kind enough to uh to point me in the right direction on twitter too to be able to see all the celebration too so i i appreciate that tremendously because there's nothing more frustrating and that's why we wait often to do these postcasts is to be able to see all that stuff and to be able to react to it here and then to not be able to to get access to it was just uh yeah, not uh, not great. Doug joining us. Dougie joining us tonight. Two reasons for the better performance. We're sitting in the. <laughs> You're not wrong. You're not wrong. And that's that's why um, I was floored by the fact that um, in his Sunday sermons bit yesterday, Michael Russo talked about how like you're playing two guys on the back ends defensively that probably shouldn't be on NHL rosters. And so we shouldn't be surprised in the slightest that the decor looked noticeably better tonight because you no longer have any players that are just major liabilities on defense. And so let's just look at the separation of minutes here in this one tonight because um it was way more evenly spread although i think you still can dig in even a little bit more than what we saw brock faber led with 25 minutes 50 seconds of total ice time now six of that was on the power play and then he played four minutes on the penalty kill so even strength look at this distribution of even strength ice time tonight. Zach Bogosian actually led in even strength ice time tonight with 16 minutes, nine seconds. Then you had Jonas Brodine at 1554, Faber at 1552, Middleton at 1532. Damon Hunt played 12 minutes, 34 seconds of even strength time. And Dakota Mermis played 11 minutes, 38 seconds of even strength time. Now the big separators are again, on the power play where it was Faber with six minutes and Damon Hunt with two minutes, which is exactly how that should be. And then on the penalty kill, you had Bogosian with four minutes, 16 seconds, Brodeen with four minutes, 12 seconds, Faber with 352 and Middleton with 346. Honestly, that distribution is that that is fine with me. I know we just spent today's episode talking about how Brock Faber has um, has started to maybe hit the wall a little bit. But I think the fact that you've got Brodeen back now and you have a top four that you are comfortable leaning on, but also a third pairing that isn't just a, a hand grenade out there. Now we can start to see those minute totals come down a little bit and it's always going to be dependent too with Faber as your top power play guy it's going to be dependent too on how many times you go to the man advantage the wild had plenty of them tonight and so you're going to obviously have more minutes in those situations so even strength d 
spreading, I, I thought was was just fine tonight. And that is something that can be used to try to not get anybody exhausted on the ice as we go. Nathan joining us looked great tonight, makes the last few weeks even more frustrating. See, this is as we get into Bill Guerin's comments, because I'm just going to read you and I should um, I should fully put out as a disclaimer too. you're not going to get a team to publicly say it's just not working as as much as we would like that to be admitted it's it's not a it that's not a business decision that makes sense your ultimate goal is to fill the seats and so if the operative phrase is this is still a playoff team whether we believe it or not and i still just think it's it's too tough of a hill for this team to climb and so i would rather see them um i would rather see them prioritize getting players some looks and not trying to grind everybody into the grounds to push for a postseason spot that you could end up losing out on on the last day of the season as opposed to even if you even if you put a run together to get yourself into position what is the difference between now being in a top 10 position to draft and at the end of the season, not being in the postseason either. The difference in between is that you have players more aggressively push through injuries or try to uh, rush players back. And so you can you can use it as an opportunity to just try to get players fully healthy uh, while also losing games down the stretch to further cement your position. Now, Greater good tankathon. Uh, the Buffalo Sabres won tonight, so the Wild did not seed sixth overall, even though they won also. And even the rest of this week with Florida, Tampa Bay, and Carolina, you're probably still going to end up at one and three, which doesn't hurt your draft position at all. But Nathan, to, to kind of pull back in, Nathan brings up a great point here is that it just seems like this team is able to put together these types of games, put together these really good, like really good effort games, only to follow it up with an absolute clunker the next night. And so the messaging being we have to play better, like, no, duh. If you if you want to be a playoff team, you got to play a lot better. And I think we saw the the defense improve tonight, which is something that this team is going to desperately need. But there are still questions about the offense. There are still questions about the special teams. What happens if somebody else gets hurt down the stretch? And so if that is what the MO is, you have to play the best hockey you've played all season, better than what you did when John Hines took over. If you want to get in and anything less than that, you're not going to. So yeah, it's, it's just such a Jekyll and Hyde team. It shouldn't take three different closed door meetings. And, you know, I was actually, 
if the reports are true that Matt Zuccarello like lit into people in this latest, um, this latest round of closed door meetings, you know, props to him, props to Zuccarello for for towing the enough is enough line, and then backing it up by scoring in this game against the Islanders. But it should never have gotten to this point. Like you, you shouldn't have to be motivated this many different times closed door meetings coaches being fired players being ripped on a daily basis by the media it shouldn't take this much motivation for you to play a way in which gets you into the uh into the postseason so the fact that it has and the fact that this team really legitimately hasn't beaten teams above them in the picture just is another reason why I just continue to hold firm to the fact that I don't think it's, I don't think this is a postseason year, which is why it's more prudent that they reassess, reevaluate going forward, get Damon hunt opportunities to see what he's got, because you're probably going to need him with the fact that, um, with the fact that we just haven't really heard a ton from Carson Lambos or from Ryan O'Rourke, what the logical step would be would be to let Damon Hunt get the rest of this season, plug him into one of those third pairing spots next year. And then if you suffer injuries during the season, then you can go to a Lambos or an O'Rourke to be injury fill-in players to get them some gradual experience. Like, am I crazy here? Is that plan making sense? It it makes sense in my head. But why we have continued to this point to see 33 and 4 just crack eggs open on the ice and push them into their own ends. Like, I'm just, I'm so done of it. (laughs) So done with it, I can't even talk. Um, yeah, as Charlie noting big ups to the, uh, Bally's app for disaster class performance down the stretch tonight, but Hey, we found what we needed to find. I was able to, uh, to watch flurry, take a bow at center ice courtesy of Judd Zolgad on Twitter. Um, and so, yeah, we, uh, we, we may do like we, uh, like we typically do. Um, <laughs> this is an all timer. Bob Frosty, the slow man was in the press box tonight with pylon. John. <laughs> pylon John is the winner for nickname of the season. Like stop the count. Pylon John is the, the winner. I, I would have previously said carcass Johansson, but pylon John is the is the hands down winner for uh for nicknames for this season. So that's um it, somebody put that on a put that on a banner and hang it up at the X to uh fill some space up there. It's it's kind of there aren't a ton there aren't a ton of banners other than Koivu's jersey and uh the number 1 or the number 18,001 for the the fans. As John notes, we we did see some line tweaks tonight too. Uh, the first line looking quick, 
meeting meant nothing. The D was the difference. Yeah, at the end of the day, just getting a full, competent three pairs on D, it, it, it that makes all the difference because you're not having to you're not having to worry about playing halfway back because you're worried that if you turn the puck over that somebody's going to get just just walked by on that back end and so the offense can push more because they can be confident that if something happens the defenders behind them are going to be able to take care of things without just deer and headlightsing it or turning it over to the opponent or just getting laid in front of the ice there there have been no shortage of of moments for pylon john and uh and number 33 as well so let's continue through the comments here tonight yeah as denny notes denny joining us again tonight hunt played his way onto the team a long time ago yeah this has been one of the more frustrating things i think this season is that this is nothing new for damon hunt he's looked like this every time he's been in um and yet we just continue to see the likes of um the likes uh, it's breaking my brain but yes non-negotiable now damon hunt in end of story end of story and as Quadrum notes, even if Hunt and Mermis mess up sometimes, the fact that they're younger than Merrill and Goose and can skate faster alone should be cause enough for them to start. This has been a common theme for the young players on this team all season is there are going to be mistakes made. And these players learn from them and they just continue to go out there and play. They learn from them. They don't usually make the same mistakes. They own up to them too. And they just continue to affect the game in a winning way too. Not just in a, oh, Merrill took two penalties tonight and the Wilds got scored on in both of them and that's why they lost the game. Like You don't see that with Damon Hunt. You don't see that with Brock Faber. You don't see that with Marco Rossi. You don't see that with Dakota Mermis. You don't see that with any of these guys who are treating every game as if they still have to earn a spot in the lineup. And so that has just injected some life into this team. And if you, this is the funny thing too, is we're not even asking for anything like super out of the way because Damon Hunt is just better. He's just better than those two. And so if you truly are trying to win your way back into the postseason, he's got to be in the lineup every day. So greater good is in this instance going to tangle and mesh with, I believe, in this team. This is one of the few times that it will. Damon Hunt just has to play because he impacts the better line, the impacts the bottom line um, much better than Golakovsky and uh, Pylon John. Mateo joining us. The Wild finally looked across the ice and said, we can beat the you-know-what out of this team, and then they went out and did it. Yeah, something about the Islanders just um, 
just brings out the absolute best in the Minnesota wild this season. And that's not something that they can say about hardly any other team that they've played. And so props to the Islanders for being the, the scapegoat this season to uh, be able to put us in probably of the top five wins this season. Honestly. Okay. So that that's an interesting question. Top five wins of the season. I think you have to the the overtime win against Boston is probably number one on the list in terms of a like how they've played. The Islanders games have to be in that mix. Probably the other Boston win is in that mix, too. And maybe the shootout win against the Rangers are just five that come up right off the top of my head. Hey, that'd be a great ep- that'd be a great idea for an episode. Don't mind if I do. I'll try to come up with a more coherent list, but um 9 to 2, the Wild outscored the Islanders in two games this year. And penalty kill looked functional, the power play looked functional and effective. The offense just continued to push. You know if they could just find a way to do that against everybody else. Um that's that's where you start to uh that's where you start to make your move quadrum anyone else surprised by how well flower is playing though i'd say he's playing better than last year and i wouldn't be surprised if he wants to play another year honestly if he wants to as as mike notes um in the the next comment immediately and keith also if Flurry wants to play after this season, he, he his skills have not slowed down to the point that he can't. The question is going to be, does he want to go through the full rigors of the offseason to prepare for the season, the in-season travel, and everything along those lines? Does he want to put himself through that again and what is he what is he going to be chasing too that's the other thing what is going to be on the agenda for him now that he has moved into second place all time and wins um the only thing for him to really chase is a cup as another cup and as much as as much as he likes it here it's not going to happen here um the Pittsburgh Penguins, who, if we look at where they're at in the standings, and I know the last time I checked, they're not doing particularly hot. Uh, they've been playing better. They're, they're at even 500, 21, 15, and 6, or as most people refer to it as 21 and 21. They're at 500. Those, those honestly would be like any of the teams that he has formerly played for. Vegas doesn't really need it. Chicago is is not going to be like they're continuing to try to push themselves forward, but they're not going to be a team that is competing for a postseason spot. It feels at this point like here or Pittsburgh are the two teams. And do the do the wild want to commit a roster spot to a 39, 40 year old Marc-Andre Fleury for another season? Now, as I see in some of the comments later Uh, later on here 
you could maybe look at it if you go a particular route in net. As Dougie mentions, extend Flower for another season, trade Gus, and let Volstead be mentored by Flower next season. I mean, honestly, I I know Judd talked about that on his show with uh, with Jesse Pierce last week. It is an idea that I think merits some discussion. There are pros and cons to it, but if here's what I'll say on that. Um, and I'll probably try to dive into this a little further. If you believe still that Jesper Volstead is going to be the number one guy, then he's going to be the one that gets somewhere around uh, 60-65% of the starts. And so do you want to have Philip Gustafson here for more than a season? as the 1A while Volstead gets himself ready because then he's going to likely take that over and you're paying a backup like $3.5 million, which it's probably money that would be better suited somewhere else. So it's it's not something that I would completely balk at uh, if the wild want to go that route, because if you are another team that is looking at this, Gustafson is a goalie that is under control for the next few seasons at a, it, it's not a ton for a start for a starting goalie, three, three and a half, whatever the actual figure is three and a half ish million. It's not Crazy. I mean, Jack Campbell's making $4 million and he's in the AHL right now. So it's not a crazy amount of money. He has shown that he's capable of playing well. Although I think last year was probably the absolute top of the line for what he can do. But he's also young too. So there's a lot of appeal there if you are a team that is looking for a starting goalie and if the wild believe that Volstead is going to be able to be on that same caliber that Gustafson was last year, it's something that you maybe at least look at um, at some point here between now and the, uh, the deadline or in the off season too. I I'm going to have to, uh, I'm going to have to look into that one a little further before I say yes or no either way but um it's 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 something that i wouldn't just immediately dismiss it would depend on what the offers were in return but honestly if you're a team that is not gonna likely make a ton of noise next year too there are worse things than having a, a young goaltender get a chance to pick Marc-Andre Fleury's brain every day. So I don't know. That that's a that's an intriguing question that uh that certainly bears a full episode coming up. And so um I'm gonna put that down in my idea board for uh for something to look into here at uh, some point. Uh Bob giving us one of the uh great flurry moments from this season. The uh, Duhame close caper was uh, almost as great as taping Crosby's gear together with shipping tape and stuffing his gloves with uh, sticky tape balls. 
he just he's had so many different prank moments over the course of his career and like the the Duhame stuff this year was has just been great like the back and forth between those two Duhame calling Flurry 50 years old after a game Flurry uh taking his clothes out of his locker and uh leaving him like disco gear essentially then nailing his shoes to the floor having him wear like those those high stepper moon boot things Duhame giving Flurry a cane like that's that's an all-time exchange between those two. Um, and again, that's just like that's just vintage flurry. Um and that that's stuff that he's been doing all of the uh all, all of his career. Bob met, uh joining us, as you said, elevating the puck. <sighs> what a novel concept. Elevating the puck into the net and being able to uh to tip it past a goalie and to go high as opposed to helping him out by just going into his pads. It, it makes, it makes, it made a lot of sense for me. Like I'd, I'd like to see it more. I'd li- I'd like to see a lot more than we currently do. But uh, if we do, um, let's, let's see. Denny Brodeen back is huge. As long as they keep Merrill, and Goligoski on the bench, they got a much better chance of winning. And I know the goaltending has been subpar this year, but this is going this right now is the best defense that the Wild have had in front of those guys. And so again, like I talked about, the fact that the offense now doesn't have to clench when Merrill and Goligoski are out there. Like they can, they can more freely push an offense because they know that the defensemen behind them are going to be able to handle things. There aren't going to be just these massive breakdowns. When was the last time we could look at a game and say, hey, zero defensive breakdowns? I mean, there were probably a one or two, but there was nothing that took that cost this team in any way in this game tonight and that's not a coincidence that is not a coincidence that's hey let's subtract the let's subtract the uh the traffic cones let's put in some competent play and prosper as uh swerve 95 mentions the wild beats a uh pink number two emoji team not the jets or the stars this this is again this is why i continue to be of the belief that postseason just isn't in the cards because it's great that you're beating teams that you should it's great that you're beating teams in the eastern conference but you haven't done it against the west and that's where it matters that's where you have to make your hay and make the uh, mount the comeback and they just they have not been able to do that any point this season um and that's why they're in seventh in the central that's why they're in seventh in the central and why they're 11 and 12 at home is because they just they can't beat western conference teams consistently zach joining us in the comments tonight wild pulled out the uh, uno reverse card after uh the the grossness that was saturday's game in person um not not great even for a second 
Um, as Zach mentions too, Zuki taking the initiative from the closed door meeting and immediately scores. Big momentum change for this team following their recent abysmal play. Yeah, and it's I I say it tongue in cheek because we've said it like six times. Um, they said it like six times this season, where like it starts now. You gotta like again my point you shouldn't have to do that like seven times um as sam notes i do like uh, i do like that zuccarello has kind of stepped into that uh leadership role i would be perfectly fine with giving him an a because i think he has become more so of a leader than some of the other guys that actually are. And again, like if he really did, as is reported, if he really did step up in that meeting and just lay into people and then backed it up in tonight's game, backed his play up. Awesome. He's like, I, I have already said, I've already gone on record as saying that that was one of the contracts that I have the least issues with. Two-year deal, pay cut still productive and so if he's adding the and he's been he's been he's a veteran enough player that he's been a leader with the rangers you know he's worked his way into that role with the minnesota wilds um i'm all for it i i'm i'm all for somebody doing it and just glad to see that it's uh zuccarello that did quadrum let's not glide over the shorty I was uh, PO'd about how many shorthanded goals we gave up this year versus the last few, especially to Dallas. Um, This was a repeat of the Montreal game where the Wild scored, I think, three power play goals and two shorthanded goals against the Canadians like to start the season. But the thing was, too, is in that Montreal game, I was like, "Eh, I don't know if they played particularly well in that one. This one they did, and they were able to take – advantage of some just gross play as Cal Clutterbuck said himself from the Islanders Friday joining us funny how well we play when our talent isn't injured from dirty plays the NHL doesn't punish I I have no objections to (laughs) it's not wrong NHL continuing to prioritize not doing anything about anything from a safety perspective Bob, what could help is we see guys starting to know where each other are. Changing lines every night is detrimental to cohesion. Freddie's still a non-factor tonight. I just don't think he has a role here. I, I, I don't disagree with this because, again, like, I, th- I think we saw kind of the height of what he offers last year, two years ago. And if he isn't on a line, if he isn't on a line with two like dynamic play drivers offensively, he he does not produce. So I uh I I just can't really uh I just can't really get on board with it. Um Trav mentioning, and again, this is 
kind of my point of like, let's tap the brakes a little bit on like, we're back seasons back on track. We're, we're back exactly to where we were. Was this game a case of even a blind squirrel finds a nuts? Let's not get too excited with a win over a crap team. Like uh, it, the encouraging things tonight was that we saw Damon hunt finally get an opportunity, but Again, you have to do it against the teams that are better than you if you want to get into the postseason picture. You're not going to get there by beating the teams below you in the standings, although, to be fair, that list is very small. You have to turn games around against the teams above you, and they have not consistently done that this year. So um, this Florida trip, it's very likely that the Wilds go 0-3. Like Florida, one of the best teams in the Eastern Conference, Tampa Bay Lightning on the second night of a back-to-back. We saw what they did. They didn't even have to try in that game against the Wild at the X. And then Carolina is like 10-2 and in their last 12 games, and that's a nightmare matchup for the Minnesota Wild. So this is how this entire season has gone, is you – take a step forward like this, you get the, Hey, we're back. And then you lose like four in a row. So get it to let's, I I don't even, I'm not even going to throw out like you have to win this many games in a row. Um, in order to get me back on Win your next one. And then after you win that one, win the next one and win the next one and the next one and the next one. But if you just go and you lose to the Panthers, like what are you gonna what are you gonna do? Push it to the all-star break then and say, okay, now we have to restart our season. It's it is a Mike's got it, Mike is right on. It's a dangle of the carrot game. So um let's let's look uh let's look now because I see that they have um I see that you guys have have wonderfully lined them up in the comments here now that I'm I'm finally to that point. Uh, let's talk about flurry moments since he took over in Minnesota. And we'll start with Bob. Flurry practicing with the cane was amazing. The fact that, you know, he saw the pictures in practice and he's got the cane just right outside the net and that he actually used it that's is just quintessential Mark Andre Fleury, that he was like, "Oh, ha ha ha, I'll uh, I'll play your game," and he actually made some saves with it too, which was just amazing. Keith diving across the crease in the pulled goalie moment. This honestly is probably, I'm going to put it second on my list because I was having like I was having heart palpitations watching that because he goes to the he goes to the bench. And he has to come back. Then the wild get the puck back. And so he starts to move back to the crease. No, they turned it over. So then all of a sudden, like I'm watching the, I'm watching the game. All of a sudden I see him come in off screen in a full sprint and just Superman dive to try try to prevent the empty netter. Um, I was, I was howling at my TV watching that. And, Again, it's perfect flurry. It's quintessential. We've seen him do that a couple of times here. He had the game against the Tampa Bay Lightning last year 
in which the lightning got like a breakaway and he goes like 20 feet up and just goes into a dive to try to impede the uh, the lightning for a potential breakaway goal. He's not afraid to do anything. And then he, the other night, he's playing a puck on the right side of the boards against... Um, that was against Arizona on Saturday, I think, where he's on the right side of the boards. He gets tangled up with a couple of Arizona players. It's like, what What are you doing? But it's just, it's perfect. Uh, it's perfect flurry. Uh, another one from this preseason, as Amlux notes, is when he tripped Bedard in the preseason game during the shootout and kind of gave him a stick tap. I loved that bet. That was very much a... Uh, that was very much a welcome to the league kid moment that uh, that flurry pulled that it was just it was hilarious. But number one on the list, as crafty Auntie M notes, is flurry wanting to fight Bennington. This is hands down. This is uh, hands down one of my favorite moments of the last three seasons is um, going he he was ready to do it. Flurry was ready to drop the gloves against Bennington. And we were robbed of what would have been an all time moment for a goalie who has done basically everything in his career, except goalie fight. Don't quote me on that. I, I If I remember correctly, he mentioned that he had not, yet gotten in a goalie fight at that point and he was ready Bennington was ready and those darn officials just had to intervene and take it away from us what could have been the all-time like they would have played that highlight at the XL Energy Center for decades after it happened an actual legit goalie fight like come on we were robbed we were robbed of an opportunity for an eternal highlight that would have followed him throughout the rest of his career. We just didn't get it. Sam flowers save against the abs in October where he rolls onto his back. He, so then this reminds me too of the one that he had against the blue jackets where the puck popped up into the air. Nobody saw it. And all of a sudden, like it hits the ground and he just like, that and the the save he made in overtime where he's somehow able to uh to snag it um and keep the wild from getting from losing to Columbus like those are some all-time saves um were just just he he's got a laundry list of uh, of them 98 Charlie start with flower going to the corner to battle for the puck against the uh, th- this was the one I was thinking of where he goes into the corner. He ends up getting tangled up with a couple of Arizona players and I'm just sitting up in the box. I'm going like what is happening? It's just it's quintessential um, Bob every old school flop and flail and gratitude to the pipes. That's another all timer for flurry is Anytime a puck hits the crossbar or hits the post, he he gives it a love tap. And that's that's a quintessential flurry bit too. That is just is so great. Um th- I'm I'm really glad that uh that we have so many in here. Um 
because there there are so many. And Quadrum brings up a good one too. My flower funny moment is this. I was shocked to see how nice he was when he spoke to the media after getting traded. You expect him to be somewhat cocky, but he just exudes humility and Minnesota nice. It really does feel like one of us, even though he isn't originally from the the U.S. He's obviously uh, from from up north, but he just has the Minnesota persona to him, which is why I think he's been an easy player to uh, to gravitate around, um, and has. Uh, has been just a, a great piece to this mix uh, since he came here. Like he, he just has been a fun mix to this group since he came to, uh, to Minnesota. Uh, Ron's moments um, is, is the, uh, the against the blue jackets too. Like I just was a hilarious moment. Um, it, it, it's, that's going to be hard to top. Uh, especially in a, uh, a a season in which things have really been kind of a mess, um, that that's that's just an all time moment uh, that uh, that we saw. John, any flurry flip flop save kills me. The dude is just a classic. It, it, it's just so um, it's just so fun to see him continue at uh, this old age to be able to make. Um, these tremendous saves. Is there any goalie that thanks the post gods so adamantly? No, that's that's a flurry staple. That is a uh, that's that's just a part of his part of his persona is uh, just being somebody that is so um, at fifty. At 50, as uh, as Bob says. Okay, I think that is most of the... Um, actually, let's let's get back to... Let's get back to one more on Flurry, and then we'll kind of we'll kind of pull back in to uh, to wrap up with what we saw here tonight. Uh, Zach, I tell myself to never get used to seeing Mark Andre Flurry in the crease. Pretty awesome to see a wild jersey on him on this historical night. We will look back at this era forever. He, it's it is it's Favre with the Vikings. It's it, it's just those all timers that grace the presence of the team for a um, for a bit of time, just a, a sliver in the history of the game. But that's that's what makes it fun. Is that sometimes your paths intertwine with surefire um, Hall of Famers that uh, we will likely never see um, do this at this level um, again. So loved that, loved all the flurry. Let's uh, let's just pull back into this game a little bit as we kind of start to wind things down here. As Denny notes, the defense transformed. That is That is the single biggest, I think, talker of this game that is not Marc-Andre Fleury related is that this was the most functional that this defense has looked since the season started. And if you want to look at which of the two defensemen was most missed by this wild team, it's Jonas Brodeen, hands down. 
Jonas Brodeen is the one of the two that adds the most on the ice to uh, to this mix. And so it's no coincidence that putting him in the lineup and finally getting rid of the bad eggs led to a defensive performance that was really able to um really able to make things easy for Flurry in uh in this one tonight. Dougie also noting first line appears to be a lot quicker with Rossi on it. Hartman seems to struggle to keep up in a rush situation. Um I I I like this I like this thought because I think you see that push with um with Rossi being able to push into the zone with Kaprizov and Zuccarello. And you know, it was interesting too before all of these injuries, Rossi and Zuccarello developed some pretty good chemistry together to where you kind of look at those two as being maybe towards the inseparable side. And so you put Kaprizov on that other side and you've got a, a guy who is hungry and aggressive in Rossi and you've got some two pretty good playmakers on either side of him in Kaprizov and Zuccarello. That is a mix that if we're not going to see, if we're not going to see Boldy, Rossi, Kaprizov, I'm perfectly fine with Boldy or with um, Kaprizov, Zuccarello and Rossi as that top line. Um, if if you're not going to see Boldy on that top line, if you're going to see him continue to try to anchor the second to try to give this team two lines that can score, um, I'm I am very fine with that mix because again, I think you just as as was noted, you see the difference between those two, um, bringing uh, bringing a nice complement to that mix. Mateo, could the Kaprizov thing be as simple as someone finally told him he can play ISO puck, even though he is an alternate captain? It could be. I, I think it truly is that we're just seeing him finally get back to um, feeling like he can do everything in his arsenal. Like we've we've I don't think it's any coincidence that we have seen him really uptick in all of those, you know, skating around the zone, the the tight window puck handling that he is so known for. I don't think it's any coincidence that we've seen that uptick since these last like seven or eight games in which he has really looked himself. The the skating is back which means that the swag and the confidence is back. And so if he can just continue to play like this on a nightly basis, um, he's going to score more often than he doesn't. And that is going to help this team in their quest to try to get back into the postseason picture. But again, this falls in the greater good too, is getting Kaprizov, back on track and looking like himself this season, that's a box checked in the greater good for this team. So if he continues to look the part, if Rossi develops great chemistry with that top line, greater good, check those boxes and, uh, and prosper. Uh, I I'm glad Bob brought this up because I, I kind of had the thought pop into my head. When it happened, I was worried about Boldy second knee on knee hit in a week or so. Again, no major, not reviewed, nor was Sam Steele's hit on him. 
for that knee to knee too. Uh, I was very glad to see Boldy be able to pop up from those two incidents because he he's about the only one that hasn't been hurt in this uh, this recent run, and um, they need they're going to need him to continue to um, they're going to need him to continue his scoring and the. Bally's mentioned it during the broadcast that he's one of the like he's in the top five in the NHL in goals over whatever number they picked to try to make it look try to make it look better. Um, he's he's in the like the top five in goals over the uh, the last however many days. So if he can continue that, and if we can see a little bit less of the kind of and. and I don't think this is this isn't a knock on Matt Boldy by any stretch. He just he seems like he's a very streaky scorer. But then again, Kevin Fiala was too, where you would have stretches where there wouldn't be many points, and then all of a sudden you get like fifteen goals in a month or something along those lines. He's very streaky in putting the puck in the net and you just hope that the stretches in which he's scoring last longer than the stretches in which he isn't. Uh, and again, he's 22. And so he's going to continue to continue to develop, continue to learn. And so greater good again for Boldy is a, a box checked for, uh, for his development um, as this season goes along. Yeah, Denny agreeing with the uh, the speed that Rossi adds to that mix. He, he, it's it's all about like here's here's a theme, ladies and gentlemen, for you know what we need to see in the greater good is seeing how players handle spots. Do they rise to take them? Do they show that maybe it's a little bit too far out of their reach? But the fact that we we see Rossi play well on the top line, we see Faber just handle every defensive assignment that's thrown his way. We see Damon Hunt be able to step in on the second power play and to play valuable minutes defensively. All of those guys have taken opportunities and seized them. Now, in Damon Hunt's case, I'm going to be red hot on the microphone if he gets into this game plays as well as he does, and then on Thursday, he's right back in the press box. I'm going to probably spit fire out of my mouth at the screen if that happens. Again, it's non-negotiable for me. Respectfully, he is better than the two that were replaced in the lineup. It's, It's not even close to me. And so he needs to continue to play, um to continue to further the development um, the rest of the season. He just, he just has to, that's, that's the only, that's the only outcome that it can possibly be. And so I hope in John's case, I hope neither cone returns to the lineup on Thursday because again, you're probably going to see me spit acid out of my mouth on Thursday, if we just see right back to where we were. 
Uh, Sam, does this performance from the decor relax Faber a bit? We think, I, I think so because, you know, as I noted, very even spread in five on five play. Now, obviously Faber's minutes are going to go up the more this team is on the power play or the penalty kill. And you can live with that. But if you can keep that even, if you can keep the even strength minutes more evenly spread, that's where you can give him a little bit of a breather, even having those top um, responsibilities on the penalty kill and the power play. So his his minutes are still going to probably be high, especially on nights like tonight where there are what? five power play opportunities for the wilds. His minutes are going to be high in those instances, but um, you know, if, if you can give him some breathers and five on five, that's, that's where things um, that's where you can manage him down the stretch. How would you like to be the Iowa coach with that revolving roster? Well, not only that, not only do you have players, coming up continually, but they've got guys that have been injured too in their lineup. Uh, Adam Beckman's been hurt. Sammy Walker's been injured at points throughout the year. Jasper Volstead was injured earlier in the, the season. Um, so they've had their injuries too. It just seems like it's been an organization-wide rash of injuries that uh, have, have just robbed this team um, of of large stretches of play. As Ron notes, we've witnessed the reason why in these last two years, why Marc-Andre Fleury was a first round pick. Um, it's it, yeah, he, he just continues to get it done. As Sam notes, when flower joined the NHL, there were 30 teams and he has chalked up now wins against 33. Um, it's it's a testament to his his staying power, his durability, and uh, the fun that he brings to the table. Mateo, I think, really captures the essence of what we're looking for here at um, at Locked On Wilds. Is they're not gonna they're not gonna lose out the rest of the season, and the fact that they are continuing to push. And I'm just realizing now that we're an hour and 20 minutes into this. And I really haven't discussed anything that Bill Guerin said today. (laughs) Uh, Well, it looks like that's getting moved to uh, tomorrow's episode, but this is the thing. It's like, just, I don't need to see the absolute like lifeless play that this team does far too often. Um, like if they're going to lose some games, like at least be competitive, at least battle. You're, you're going to lose to the teams that are better than you, but you don't need to make it look like hideously bad. Um, you don't need to have those Dallas and those Arizona games, like save the embarrassments, just be competitive is really all we're asking um let's see uh denny brings up a great point here we are going to be incorporating additional episodes into the locked on wild caseload uh which will allow fans the opportunity to hop on the microphone and share your thoughts 
working on getting that rolling hopefully by the end of this week, if not for sure next week. And there will be a distinct process for how this works, which will involve um, the Locked on Wild email address. So stay tuned. Uh, I do want to... Um, I do want to get some uh, great or I do want to get an opportunity for this this listening audience to further the interaction. Denny is absolutely right. He's been a huge driver of this and it's it's 100% needed to continue to just build on this. And so we'll be incorporating that there will be instructions on what to do in the episode descriptions and I'll mention it throughout the episodes too once we get that rolling so like I said again hoping to get that going by the end of this week if not for sure next week um we are going to get the locked on wild listening audience on the microphone going forward and it's going to be a permanent thing so it's it's coming it is coming here uh, before too long. Uh, let's just look at some final comments here uh, as we now approach one hour and uh, 20 minutes on tonight's Locked and Wild postcast. Uh, Mike, I think Lambos probably has the fastest route to make the lineup. Man, that would be a fun look this season. I... I think if he can, it sounds like I was trying to get some intel on Lambos, and it sounds like he has been going through some growing pains in the uh, this season so far. It's to be expected, though. It's his first season, I think, in Iowa. So it's to be expected. If he can just kind of get his feet under him, pun intended, if he can get his feet under him this season, then I think you treat him next year like the Wild have treated Damon Hunt this year. And I don't mean having him sit in the press box for long stretches of play. I mean that if you suffer any injuries, you bring him up and put him on a third-pairing role to get him some minutes, get him acclimated to the NHL level, start to slowly increase what you're asking of him. Damon Hunt's has Damon Hunt has shown that he's capable. He's young, but he's very capable. And so if he's in the mix next year full time, then you start with Lambos as a fill-in. Maybe Ryan O'Rourke, depending on how many injuries you're you're looking at. And you just you give those guys opportunity, you build them, you build them up, and then before you know it, they are uh they are in the uh the mix. Um for the spots um, on defense. Denny noting the Wilds have to go on a 10-game win streak to get back in the race. He's not wrong. Denny's not wrong here. Like that's, That's the problem with how far back the Wild are at this point, is that you have to overcompensate your performance to catch everybody. And that assumes that those teams in front of you go on a massive losing streak. And so if that doesn't happen, if you win 10 games in a row, you're probably knocking yourself between 10 and 15 uh, on the draft board. 
I would much rather they just stay in the top 10. But if the postseason is continuing to be the goal and Bill Guerin believes that this team is capable of going on a big run, then that's that's what's going to that's what's going to happen. I would much rather just see the development, but we'll uh, we'll have to wait and see. Final one that I think I will talk about is Jared Spurgeon. It is interesting that he has been, um, and I know he's injured. And when players are hurt, you don't typically do media availability, all those things. Um, but it's interesting because what has been one of the things that I think has been just so lacking pretty much all this season from key players is just the the leadership aspect. We see it on a nightly basis from Brock Faber, always willing to step up and answer questions from the media. He's put in that position, to be honest, probably too many times. And I really wonder what Bill Guerin's feeling on this is because I know Spurgeon is a very respected voice in the locker room. I know he is very accommodating to new players and all of those things, but it's like, what have we seen over these last couple of seasons is it's a group that when adversity hits in particular in the postseason, they turtle. And I would much rather see somebody who is not going to accept those types of results and is going to put people in their place when needed to ensure that those types of things don't happen. And so I have no idea. I would imagine if the situation, if this season plays out the way that it looks like it's going to, I don't think there's going to be any sort of um, captaincy change, but like at some point Brock Faber is going to get an A or a C. I think Matt Zuccarello is certainly worthy of one. Like you have guys that you like in these situations as your leadership group, but I don't think they're the, I don't think they're necessarily the leaders of the team. I don't know. The, that whole the whole captaincy thing for me is um that whole thing is is hard for me to kind of dive into because I um I I never played hockey and so there's a lot more that goes into it um than even I am aware. So that I think is about all I have. Just looking through the comments here quick before we uh before we sign off. Um as mentioned, 
Uh, it will include um, will inc- what we're gonna do. What we're gonna do with this is have people email in to the Lockdown Wilds uh, email inbox to line up times to to hop on as guests. So that's that's the main part of how that's gonna work. And so I'll include the email address um, in the description of the episodes, but I want to get kind of a concrete template put together first as to what we're looking for, what we're talking about. There'll be some shoot from the hip. So we'll have that in the episode description. Again, I'm hoping by Thursday or Friday, but for sure we'll start it um, at the latest. We'll start it all next week. Um, And that's, that's going to be a, Pillar that'll be a pillar bit of this show going forward is hearing from listeners, and uh, that's that's going to be that's going to be the thing that that further elevates this show. That's that's going to be another piece that nobody else has, and I I don't mind collecting. I don't mind collecting things that other shows in this state don't do. I'm very happy to to feature those types of things. So I think that's all I've got for tonight. So I think we're going to wrap up. But I mean, look, we're at 90 minutes right now. We're at 90 minutes. We got through a ton of great Marc-Andre Fleury moments. We got through a ton of great discussion about Damon Hunt. We got through a ton of great discussion about the defense, about just just all Minnesota wild related things. Um, and, and this just furthers the show. So I appreciate everybody hopping in before we sign off for tonight. Make sure you hit like on tonight's lockdown wild postcast. Make sure to subscribe to the show if you have not already. And we're just going to keep it rolling a uh, tough week, the rest of the week. And so greater good again, probably going to be three losses to finish things out. Cause Florida, Tampa Bay, and Carolina are all incredibly tough. But as long as we get these signs of life, win some fun games from uh, time to time, and uh, we see some development from guys like Damon Hunt, Rossi Faber, as long as we see development from those young players, that is the greater good. So thanks to everybody who who tuned in. All of the regular lineup of guests that make this uh, so much fun to do. We appreciate you all for, uh, for hopping in and hanging out. Uh, we will be back at it the rest of this week. So make sure to tune in as the Wild will tango with uh, the two Florida Titans the rest of this week and then Carolina on Sunday. Uh, make sure to follow Lockdown Wild wherever you listen to your podcasts. Also, follow us on YouTube. We have new episodes for you every Monday through Friday, furthering the greater good, all part of the Locked On Podcast Network.